Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. As you know, there was another horrifying school shooting yesterday in the town of Uvalde, Texas. 21 people were murdered in cold blood for no apparent reason. Of course, for no reason, how could there be a reason? You know, when I got the show eight years ago, school shootings had already been a part of the national landscape for a long time, and I knew, I went into it knowing there would be occasions where I would have to start the show with remarks of some kind, remarks like this. And I can remember thinking, man, it's gonna be difficult to start a show talking about a mass shooting and then pivoting to doing jokes and sketches. That will be so hard. But in the eight years since I got the show, uh, something changed, which is I had kids. And today, I took them to school, and so did millions of American parents. And that's harder. That's harder. I didn't think about that, but of course, that's harder. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to be. What happened in Texas, and at Sandy Hook, and at so many other places is preventable, but no one who could help us is helping us. Some people are trying. They're trying very hard. And if you want to help them try, here is their information. In a few minutes, we are going to talk to Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, which I'm very grateful for because he gave a very powerful speech on the Senate floor yesterday, demanding that his colleagues take action. And I was thankful for those words because among many other things, it reminded us that we can't become numb because what is happening right now does not have to happen. It is not inevitable. It is a choice, a choice that our leaders and the powerful forces behind them have made and are continuing to make every day that they refuse to do anything at all that could make these horrific events less likely. America has uh, more gun than people. We have more mass shootings by far than any other peer nations. Those two things are obviously related. So now to talk a little bit more about how we got to a place where those two things can be true, it is time for a closer look. Entrenched powerful forces have perpetrated a monumental decades-long fraud in convincing large numbers of people that it is their constitutional right to own arsenals of military-grade weaponry. And they've invested large sums in convincing people that that made-up right, a right five Republican justices, essentially invented out of whole cloth not that long ago, is constantly under threat. And to be clear, that's not just my opinion. I'm not a constitutional scholar. I think that's clear. Constitutional scholars do not have tiny figurines of Andy Samberg on their desk that say, my doink fell off. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't have them. I'm just saying if they do, they're kept safely in a drawer. 
So I didn't just come up with the take that the unregulated right to own military-grade weaponry is a fraud on my own. It was the opinion of former Supreme Court Chief Justice Warren Burger, a conservative who said this in 1991. If I were writing the Bill of Rights now, there wouldn't be any such thing as the Second Amendment. Which says? That uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the defense of the state people's rights to bear arms. This has been the subject of one of the greatest pieces of fraud, I repeat the word fraud, on the American public by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Now just look at those words. There are only three lines to that amendment. A well-regulated militia. If the militia, which was going to be the state army, was going to be well-regulated, why shouldn't 16 and 17 and 18 or any other age persons be regulated in the use of arms the way an automobile is regulated? First of all, it's a shock just to see conservative justice say something in public without sneering like the villain from every 80s teen comedy. <laughs> Second, he's right. The words well-regulated are right there in the amendment. There's no mystery. It's not Wordle or the New York Times spelling bee. We don't have to guess, which, by the way, it's what I do, guys. After I get the easy ones, I just start typing in fake words and hoping they're real. Moxie? Is Moxie a word? Let me try 30 more times. <laughs> the idea that the Second Amendment guarantees an individual's unregulated right to own an arsenal of military-grade weaponry is so insane and was shrugged off as ridiculous for so long that in 1982, Senate Republicans went to the absurd lengths of issuing a report that claimed to have discovered clear and long-lost proof that the Second Amendment was intended as an individual right of the American citizen to keep and carry arms. It is absolutely insane that Republicans claim to have found long-lost proof that changed the meaning of a document written in 1787 in 1982, which means, definitely means, one of them had just seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and then said, you know, sometimes people find old <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, how'd it go down? Did Nicolas Cage find a secret post-it note hidden inside the Liberty Bell? We were so focused on the crack, we never looked inside. <laughs> but that should give you an idea of how preposterous and unhinged this whole idea is. The side that claims to care about the plain language of the Constitution and the original meaning of the Founding Fathers had to pretend to unearth some secret hidden proof that the Second Amendment actually means something completely different from what it obviously says, which is totally divorced from how other sane countries deal with these kind of horrors. Australia, the UK, New Zealand, Norway, they've all responded to mass shootings with stricter gun laws or campaigns to confiscate or buy back guns, and those laws have worked because, again, there is an obvious correlation between how many guns we have in this country and how many gun deaths we have. And by the way, when local governments have tried gun buyback programs on a small scale here in the U.S., they've often been successful. In fact, just a few days ago, the police department in Sacramento held a gun buyback event in exchange for $50 gas gift cards. The event, which was supposed to last for five hours, got more takers than expected. The department announced just 45 minutes into the event that it had exhausted its supply of gift cards due to overwhelming response. I'm not surprised. You know what I'd give up? for a $50 gas gift card right now? Half a tank? That's why I dress like this right now. I gave all my suits back as part of a buyback program, and now I don't have to pay for gas for another week. I also gave up haircuts, which is why I'm now on an ongoing mission to get cast in the next Marvel movie as old Loki. I think I knew it. Because I look like five to 10 months older than Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> but even more revealing than the success of the event itself were the reasons 
people gave for turning in these guns. Among other reasons, community members most commonly cited a lack of experience or knowledge with firearms, lack of knowledge or the legality of firearms, or an inability to safely store the firearms as the main reasons for participating in the exchange. It turns out some people don't even want these guns and would like to get rid of them. Imagine if we launch a national campaign like that, or like what Australia did in the 90s when it confiscated 650,000 guns. And as a result, gun deaths plummeted. Of course, in Australia, they didn't give out gas gift cards. They gave out Fosters because, you know, it's Australian for beer. <laughs> Real talk, though, they don't drink Fosters in Australia. Fosters, it's Australian for beer, is just a marketing lie they invented to try to sell it to us, and they used Crocodile Dundee to do it. I trusted you, Croc. <laughs> I trusted you when you lied to me. Foster's It's Australian for Beer would be like if I were in a commercial on Australian TV where I said, Arby's, it's American for steak. <laughs> or if Republican senators said they claim to have discovered clear and long lost proof that the Second Amendment said everyone is allowed to have all the guns they want in that it's obvious bull**t. Because again, as we've seen, gun safety measures like assault weapons, bans, and gun buyback programs have worked. They have worked in other countries. When we've tried them, they've worked here too. Our gun production and ownership rates are simply off the charts, incomparable to any other nation on Earth. And as a result, so are our gun deaths. It's within our power to stop this, and allowing these massacres to continue is, in fact, a choice, as Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy said in a speech on the Senate floor yesterday. What are we doing? Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job of putting yourself in a position of authority. If your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing? Why are you here? I'm here on this floor to beg, to literally get down on my hands and knees and beg my colleagues. Find a path forward here. Work with us to find a way to pass laws that make this less likely. This is a moment, if you are a person in a position of power, to ask yourself what you're doing to stop this. Because he's right. Why are you there? Why else are you in the United States Senate unless it's to raise money and give speeches and dole out favors and ride that secret little train in the Capitol basement that looks like the railroad to Disneyland, except instead of dropping you off at the Magic Kingdom, it brings you to Lindsey Graham's office? My office is like a castle and that my Mima calls me a little Prince Charming. <laughs> and yet, maddeningly, there are those who claim to support popular gun safety measures but aren't actually willing to use their power to get those measures passed, like West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. CNN reported yesterday that Manchin says he would do anything I can to move common sense gun legislation forward but still refused to eliminate the filibuster to get gun legislation through the Senate. Then you're not willing to do anything you can. It's like if you told your spouse you're willing to do anything to clean the dishes except get up from the couch. I can do it from here if you tie a sponge to a long stick. <laughs> if you're willing to live with these horrors, then just say that. Just say you're willing to, but don't hide behind a bull procedural rule that, by the way, is not in the Constitution and didn't even exist when the Senate was created anyway. You guys all act like the Constitution has an entire section on the filibuster when the word isn't even so much as mentioned once. Maybe we need to get Nick Cage to burst into Manchin's office with a secret piece of parchment screaming, Joe, I found a note from John Adams in the Lincoln Memorial's taint. He said the filibuster is bull <laughs> No, of course Nick Cage would never agree to do that. But what about someone 
who does an excellent impression of him. <laughs> Just think about it. And by the way, this is the same Senate that moved with the speed of a Saturn V rocket to give Supreme Court justices more security when some people were picketing outside their homes. So that should give you a sense of their priorities. When they do want to protect someone, they're capable of doing it quickly. And while the mansions and Mitch McConnell's of the world are offering their empty words and refusing to take action, the most depraved people in our politics are suggesting that instead of doing the obvious thing that many other countries have done successfully, which is to simply pass laws, regulating the number of guns in the country and the ability to easily get them, we should instead arm teachers and essentially turn schools into fortified military bases. The most effective tool for keeping kids safe uh, is armed law enforcement on the campus. People, retired military, retired law enforcement, uh, outside the perimeter of every school in the country, uh, they can donate their time. They can, we can offer them tax breaks, no income tax in the state, no income tax federally, 10 hours a week, and we could have every school in America covered. We have to harden these targets so no one can get in ever except through one entrance. What we need to do is utilize smart technology. That's what's needed. We need to install man traps. This is something we've discussed in the past, back in 2018, I checked. Man traps, a series of interlocking doors at the school entrance that are triggered by a tripwire. We can't stop bad people from doing bad things. They're gonna violate murder laws. They're not gonna follow gun laws. I've never understood that argument. But we are, we can harden these schools. We can uh, create points of access that are difficult to get through. We can potentially arm and prepare and train uh, teachers and other administrators to respond quickly. Are you out of your mind? You guys want to turn schools into maximum security prisons with man traps and tripwires and teachers carrying guns? If these people had their way, everything would be a scene on a RoboCop. There are truly no words for how grotesque this is. They want to arm teachers and yet they're not even willing to throw enough money at schools to get them history books that don't end with the fall of the Berlin Wall. And that's, and that's right there. Kids, that's how Ronald Reagan saved democracy. If you want to know what happened after that, uh, get into college. And to the people who cynically parrot the mindless talking point that advocates for gun reform are somehow politicizing this, what else, what else is politics for? It's a crisis, and this is what our political system is supposed to do, address the crisis. If that's all you can muster in the wake of this horror, that tired, empty mantra, then you need to look inward because we can, we can do something. We know from our experience, our own experience, and from the experiences of other countries, it's possible. It has not always been like this. It doesn't always have to be like this. We can change things. And if you're a person in a position of power, you must act because if you choose to spend this moment in the wake of this horror, using your power, to do nothing, then you are a fraud. I repeat the word fraud. This has been a closer look. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. 
Our guest tonight is a United States Senator from the great state of Connecticut. Please welcome to the show, Senator Chris Murphy. Thank you for being with us, Senator. Thanks for uh, having me. Appreciate it. Um, obviously, uh, not the easiest day, but we really do appreciate you making the time to try to put the events of yesterday in context, if that's at all possible. You know, one of the messages we're trying to get across today is it's not hopeless. Is that one of the things you find yourself as, as uh, one of the leading advocates of gun control? Do you find yourself running up against people who feel like it is, in fact, hopeless? Of course. And you're up at this moment where there's so many Americans who you know, become so anesthetized, so numb to the pace of these mass shootings. I just, I just can't let that happen. I can't let people in this country believe that we can't change this because we can. We're the only country in the high income world where kids fear for their lives when they go to school. We have power over this. We have agency. And um, as I'm speaking to you, I'm literally in touch with uh, you know, a half dozen or more Republican senators that are interested in sitting down and talking about a path forward. I don't know whether we'll get there to a bipartisan product, but I'm going to try because I, as a parent of two school-aged kids, um, I just can't believe that we're going to allow this to continue. And I have to believe that we can find a handful of Republicans in the United States Senate that are willing to work on us to make our schools and our shopping malls and our uh, movie theaters just a, a little bit safer. So you were elected in 2012, and then Sandy Hook, which was obviously in your state, happened. I feel like that was a moment where people thought, surely something will change now. How do you reflect back on the last decade since that happened? Well, that's what I thought, too. I mean, I thought if the murder of 20 kids in uh, an elementary school in Connecticut doesn't change the dynamic on this issue, what will? But I quickly changed my mind, because what I realized is that this is all about political power. I wish it weren't, but it is. And in 2013, when Sandy Hook happened, the NRA had tons of political power. The gun lobby had tons of political power. And we had none. There really wasn't an anti-gun violence movement in 2013. So we've spent the last 10 years building up our power. We now have all these amazing groups, Gabby Giffords and March for Our Lives and Moms Demand Action. And uh, the gun lobby is weaker. You know, they're practically bankrupt. And so we're at this moment where maybe, maybe, maybe the balance of political power has shifted. Maybe enough voters care about this um, that they're going to send a message. If you don't vote with us, if you don't vote with our kids, we're voting you out of office. But it's taken 10 years to really equalize the political power on the issue of guns. Back then, we just had none of it and they had all of it. And that's why we why we lost. So you were actually presiding on the Senate floor when this tragedy happened yesterday and you gave your fiery speech that we've already referenced tonight in the show. What is the, what was the energy like in the room when you're giving that speech? Are other senators there? Do you feel like they're listening? I mean, a lot of people were listening. Um, there were only a handful of senators there, but I know because I've talked to many of them that a lot of them heard what I said. Uh, you know, I was sitting uh, in the Senate chamber. I was actually presiding over the Senate when I, I my phone started to blow up and I looked down to realize that we had another Sandy Hook on our hands. And I decided to go down to the floor immediately after and, you know, just say simply to my colleagues, right, why on earth do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate if you're going to do nothing? And I don't know whether my colleagues can be shamed into doing something, but I'm just not going to let them off the hook. I'm not going to let this place do nothing and get away without 
um, at least some rebuke on the Senate floor. So we'll see. There's a lot of Republicans because of what I said and because of what their constituents have said to them in phone calls and emails over the last 24 hours that are reaching out to work with us. And we'll see if we can get something done. It seems like Republicans do a very good job of framing this issue in a fear-based way of they're coming to take away your guns. There are many versions of legislation where that will not be the case. There will be modifications, there will be steps, uh, you know, uh, closing loopholes, things like that, banning uh, assault rifles. Why do you feel like they are so strong at framing the narrative? And it strikes me that Democrats have done a poor job. Well, you know, that's interesting that you put it that way, because actually, if you look at the polling on this, uh, there are very few issues in America in which um, 90 percent of people in this country who grant anything and 90 percent of Americans think that you should have universal background checks. Actually, the majority of Republicans now support um, an assault weapons ban. The problem is very much just in this town. Um, Republicans, for whatever reason, are so afraid of the gun lobby, the NRA, that they can't get out of their own way. So I actually think we've won this debate in the American public. We just need voters now to do more than sort of click the right answer on a poll. We need voters to say, hey, in this next election, I'm going to ask the candidates, do you support banning assault weapons? Do you support universal background checks? And, and not vote for the folks that give the wrong answer. You talk about the fact that you've won on the issue, but you've also been critical of Democrats not wanting to run on it. Don't you feel like there is, if the GOP is afraid of the gun lobby, it strikes me that the Democrats are afraid of something because they don't run on it in a way that certainly not as strongly as you lay it out. Yeah, we're sort of stuck in a, a world that doesn't exist. Democrats think that we will lose votes if we talk about um, gun violence, and that's just not true. In fact, in 2018, record numbers of young people turned out in that election. Democrats won control of the House of Representatives. Why? Because we talked about the issue of gun violence. So the NRA has kind of created this mythology that running on things like background checks is a losing political issue. It's the exact opposite. It actually convinces a lot of people who weren't planning on turning out to turn out. And it's a lot of swing voters who want to hear Democrats, uh, one of your candidates, Talk about the most pressing moral issue that they and their kids face, which right now is the fear that our kids have for their lives when they walk into schools. We have to talk about this and we'll win votes if we talk about it. Sometimes I think there's a frustration at a distance, maybe people who don't understand quite how it works in DC at the speed in which things happen. It always strikes me as a little bit slower than it should, especially after a tragedy like this. When do you see, when do you predict any vote coming to the floor that would actually force Republicans to choose a side to land on? Well, the other thing to sort of note here is that the reason why it's taking so long is because of the rules in the Senate, right? You've got this rule that says 50 votes isn't good enough. You need 60 votes. So the voters kind of did their job. They elected a majority in the Senate, a majority in the House, and a president who all support something like universal background checks. The problem is we have 50 votes in the Senate, not 60 votes. So, you know, part of what has to happen here is that we change the rules of the Senate so that if the voters put majorities in charge of everything, then they actually get what they are asking for. And in this case, they're asking for universal background checks and they're only not getting it because we've got this silly sort of 19, you know, 50s era rule in the Senate that requires 60 votes. Obviously, 
from your time visiting, speaking with people in the community of Sandy Hook, you were acutely aware that maybe the rest of us move on, but communities where something like this happen never do. Never do. Never do. Sandy Hook will never, ever be the same because the research tells us for every individual that's killed, there are 20 people who know them, 20 relatives and friends who experience trauma. You know, I tell this story in Newtown. I told it on the floor just last night. You know, afterwards, when those kids came back to that school, they had to have this procedure in place that when a kid um, had a memory of what he saw that day, you know, stepping over his dead bodies, uh, his classmates' dead bodies, um, they would scream out a, a safe word and that paraprofessionals and psychologists and psychiatrists would come and help them. In one classroom, that word was monkey. And so all throughout the day, kids would be screaming out monkey, monkey, and uh, paraprofessionals would come and help them. Um, that's just a sign of how devastating this is, how the pain never goes away in a place like Newtown. It's never going to go away in Uvalde. And um, we just have a moral obligation as a nation to try to make sure that this doesn't happen to another community because um, you don't recover from this. As a family, you don't recover. And as a community, you don't recover. So why on earth do we allow for communities to still go through this? I love I would really love and appreciate if you could leave us with any uh, path forward, any reason for optimism, anything those of us watching who believe that there is some step of gun control we could take, what we can be doing. Well, I just want to make sure people know lots of things have changed since Sandy Hook. In fact, there have been dozens of states that have passed laws that have tightened gun laws and have saved lives. The NRA is weaker than they were in 2013. The gun violence movement is stronger. When Republicans had control of the entire Congress, the NRA got nothing from the Republican Congress. They used to get everything when Republicans were in charge. Why? Because Republicans maybe aren't willing yet to vote with us, but they're not willing any longer to vote with the NRA. I know that people want this all to happen overnight, but it took 10 years from when James Brady was shot during President the assassination attempt of President Reagan until the James Brady background check law was passed. Um, it took over 10 years from the open casket of Emmett Till until the Civil Rights Act was passed. Sometimes in this country, it does take a decade or more to get great social change passed. And we have made a lot of progress, more progress than people think. And boy, there's no more important issue to continue to stay active on. Don't let obstacles stand in the way of your advocacy. We will get this done in the end. Uh, Senator, I cannot thank you enough for giving us your time today. Uh, keep up the good fight, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Seth. Senator Chris Murphy, everybody. Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 1235, 1135 Central. Original music on the Late Night podcast is by the HE Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Alex Ryder is back. Hello, Alex. You have a lot of work to do. To face his greatest challenge yet. We have an active threat. They can wipe out an entire city. People are going to die. Now he's running out of time. We have three days to find and destroy. He doesn't know who he can trust. We're not your enemies. We never have been. Everything I've been told has been lies. 
and our future is in his hands. The truth can be complicated. On April 5th, this weapon is capable of inflicting 100,000 deaths in a heartbeat. The danger is everywhere. Scorpio are no longer hiding in the shadows. The battle threatens everyone. It's personal. It's revenge. It's kill or be killed. That's when you find out what you're really capable of. And his choice could change everything. I'm sick of being manipulated to do what everyone else wants. Tell him the truth, all of it. The world isn't black and white. All we really have are the people we trust. Alex Ryder, season three, streaming free April 5th. Stream seasons one and two free now.